Wow, I need to pay him next time to introduce me anytime. That was, that was kind. Thank you. Uh, North, North Central is a great school, but I'm a Trinity graduate. I apologize there. Any Trinity graduates in here? Wow, the three of us are proud. All right, no. Hey, uh, I just, it's so good to be here back in Minnesota. I started out in Painesville, Minnesota, and, uh, and I was there for about a year, part-time, selling landmark genetics. And said, so any farmers in the house, I might have been at your farm selling artificial insemination needs for your cattle. Um, and that was my part-time job. If I had graduated from North Central, I wouldn't have had to have that job. No. Um, <laughs> just kidding, man. Hey, my, uh, my wife, I couldn't bring my BMW. My beautiful Mexican wife is at home. And uh, I've got four daughters. And my, my daughter, Brady's up here. She's 19. She's single. Uh, but she's off the market. All right. Um, you know... <laughs> Uh, you know, we moved, uh, we, we started out in Seattle, my wife and I got married in Seattle, Tacoma, and then we spent six years there, and then spent some time in Vegas, and then we found ourselves in Alaska, and like, how do you get from Vegas to Alaska, the Bible says to be hot or cold, but not lukewarm, okay, that's all I know, and, uh, and so we've been in Fairbanks, Alaska, love it there, uh, why, uh, one reason why we're still in Alaska is we had a chance, we had a non-profit where we uh, uh, did ministry in the North Slope, where the pipeline is, Prudhoe Bay, those things that we did a, um, a, a, a non-profit and flew kids in from all over. In fact, there's some athletes that came with, uh, um, with, with Bobby, with AIM to come up and help us with those, those events up there. And, uh, but in the process, uh, as, as a Caucasian white man uh, married to a Hispanic woman, God opened the door for us to uh, adopt an Eskimo, Inupian Eskimo boy whose grandfather was the only Inupian Eskimo pastor in the history of Alaska. He's, he's being, and you asked my seven-year-old Fulton, named him after Fulton Buntain, I said, Fulton, what do you want to be when you grow up, a doctor, a lawyer? He said, I want to be a pastor. So I believe God's raising up an Inupian Eskimo boy that will go back to his people and preach the gospel. There's a hundred villages in Alaska that on Sunday, yesterday, didn't have any type of church service of any faith background. So if you think about Alaska, yeah, there's grand vacations, all those things, and incredible tours and, and, and uh, cruises and all that, but there's 100 villages this next Sunday that don't have a pastor or a missionary in their community, and there's peoples there that have no spiritual leadership. So would you pray for Alaska when you think about it? Um, my seven-year-old came home the other day, and I, I, we pride ourselves on not being prejudiced, but my boy... Uh, was asked to color um, in his at date, at, you know, his summer program at school there, his, a, a family photo, and he took a white piece of construction paper, and he drew the family, and he colored all of the family's faces brown a little bit, and he kept me the color of the paper. <laughs> then he proceeded to cut, put brown hair on all the family, and there's no hair on me, he said. And I'm like, you know, and, and so I, I, I struggle with that. I, my, my other daughter, she, she's 12, she's dad. If we were coffee, I figured out what we'd be. I, you, you know, we would all be uh, uh, caramel macchiatos. Mama would be a mocha, and you'd be white chocolate. And so uh, with that, I, I've been struggling with some forgiveness issues. In fact, tonight, I'm, on, I'm honored to be here with, with Pastor, with your superintendent, Mark Dean, uh, his years leading the nation in, in youth ministry and in the Assemblies of God. And now as your superintendent, uh, he and his wife, aren't they incredible leaders? Absolutely incredible. And, uh, 
And so to, tonight to be here, I'm just honored to be here out of all the different people that you could call and bring up and, and all that. And so, but tonight I, my, my prayer is that uh, you'll, you'll hear just a little bit of my heart. I, I'm just a small town farm boy, grew up in Tillamook, Oregon on a dairy farm. My dad, we milked about 200 head of cow and cattle and I got called into ministry, went to Bible college and, and uh, graduated single. So I'm not sure if I did something right or wrong. And uh, uh, now I'm in Fairbanks. And, but tonight I want to just communicate tonight, uh, the next couple nights. You know, I, I, when I spent time in Vegas, our church in Vegas that I was on staff at grew from about 2,000 to 6,000 in the six and a half years we were there. We saw people get out of wheelchairs, got, saw people, uh, uh, blind eyes opened up, saw just incredible miracles. And one thing my pastor would always say is that when someone gets saved, they come to our church, they get saved, and we say, well, we got to disciple you. So we plug them in, and, 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 the, and we disciple them. And, and then we say, well, you gotta, we got to learn, you got, you got to serve. So now we have the saved people, but they're still hurting. If they haven't been healed yet, they're still hurting. But so you have the saved hurting masses, but now you disciple them. So you have the saved hurting discipled masses. And then you say, well, you know, you probably should do evangelism. And so we teach them evangelism, so they're saved hurting discipled evangelizing Christians. And then we have them serving somewhere. You got to serve somewhere. Attend one, serve one. You got to do something. And so, so we have saved, hurting, discipled, evangelizing, serving, leading people, but they're still hurt. And, and some of you in here, it doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus. The, the reality is, is there's parts in our lives sometimes that get hurt. And tonight, I want to address that. If you look at our culture I mean, has Minnesota not gone through some challenging times the last several months? And, and so I, I think that this might even almost be a prophetic picture of what's happening in our culture. When, when you have hurt people, hurt people, hurt people, and hurt people get hurt by people. So tonight, I want to talk about uh, 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 the, 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 just I want to title this message Angry Birds I'm not going to be profound like the doctor That's going to speak tomorrow morning And you know How many of you guys have ever downloaded the, the, the Angry Bird game on your phone Raise your hand You've ever downloaded it If you've never heard of it Go to the app store My dad thinks the app store is a store And I, I told my dad Dad get at the app store And my dad says I looked online There's no app store in my town So if you, don't think, if you don't know where the app stores in your town, it's on your phone. And there's an angry bird. Over a million people downloaded this suicidal bird game. I mean, if you've ever played the game, if you haven't, you need to download it tonight. You might not make it to breakfast. You might be sleeping in because you played until long. I don't know. But, but, but download it. And, and, and here's, the, here's the, the big picture of this, the paradox of this game is that these birds, well, let's walk through it real quick. I got some photos up here. Number one, the birds had their eggs stolen. Their eggs were stolen. And, and they were so angry that their eggs were stolen that they wanted, they spent, they devote the rest of their life to, 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 uh, to, to, to trying to tear down what the pigs are building. Let's walk through it for a second. So, so they had their eggs stolen. Number two, they forgot they could lay another egg. Brady, could I, could I use your water, babe? This wasn't to get you young people to see how beautiful she is. Thank you. 
I woke up with a head cold uh, this morning. But they forget. Hey, have you thought about it? The birds' eggs were stolen, and they're so angry they're going to kill the pigs, but they forgot they could lay another egg. Isn't it amazing what happens when we get angry? We forget birds are created by God to lay eggs. That's how they reproduce. Friends, I want to propose to you as men and women of God, we are created by God and for God, and we're made in his image, and God is a God of grace, and God is a God of forgiveness, and his mercies are new every morning. So when we get hurt, and someone takes our egg, and it offends us, and we're upset about it, then guess what? Lay another egg. Now, some of you can look at your husband right now, he said lay an egg. Number three. The bird's daily existence was consumed in destroying what the other pigs were building. They literally, their mind was captive, and now their whole life was, how do we tear down what the, pers- the pigs who hurt us are building? Have you ever met someone whose life now exists to get back at people who hurt them years earlier? And number four, their anger was so intense, they forgot they could fly. So they hop in these bird-made slingshots so they can catapult themselves toward what the pigs are building. And, they, and the reason why I even thought about this was because my daughter, when she was eight, was begging me, not this one, was begging me for a pillow pet, angry bird. And I had to go, do I let my kid put their head on a suicidal bird to fall asleep at night? I mean, what type of manifestation is going to happen then? And, and, and so tonight, I want to talk about, I, I, I think there's an angry bird syndrome in the church. And, and, and uh, uh, there, it, I, I youth pastored for 20 years. I spent 20 years with, youth, with students, and I, I love youth ministry. And then I became a real pastor. Because when I was a youth pastor, they'd say, when are you going to become a real pastor, Pastor Mark? And I, and I say when I quit working with fake people's kids, I guess. <laughs> no. and, and so I became a real pastor, and I started working with adults. And I realized that adults were just as messed up as teenagers. They had the same problems. They just had better, better defense mechanisms to cover up their problems, to mask it, to hide it. And the consequences for the same choices were bigger. A teenager has sex outside of marriage. Shame on you. You're, you, you know, you know, that's wrong. It's sin. You have sex outside of a marriage when you're married. That's adultery. There's kids involved. There's a whole lot more pain that goes along there. But, but, but so I, I've seen this as a pastor now. That It's like, wow. S- some people have what I would call a hard heart. Number one. And number two, the bird, angry birds are soft skin. And I think in the church, if we want to see revival happen, we have to flip that and get hard skin and keep a soft heart. And and so tonight I want to talk about, I want to talk about forgiveness. In fact, if you have your Bibles, open with me to Mark chapter 6. And in Mark chapter 6, it's one of my favorite stories. It's an incredible story about Herod, who had given orders to John to have John arrested. In in Mark Mark chapter 6, verse 17, for Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested. 
And he had him bound and put in prison. It sounds like I'm going through puberty, doesn't it? This is incredible. I didn't know when you turn 50, you go through puberty again. I guess it's menopause. Um, John arrested and, and he, he, uh, he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, <laughs> his brother Philip's wife, whom he married. Now, I don't know how messed up your Thanksgivings are. Or your Christmases are. Or, you know, sibling, you know, step-siblings and all, uh, all the, uh, but, but I'll tell you right now, I don't know if Philip came over for Thanksgiving or Christmas time, but it's awkward. Because if Philip and Herodias had kids, Uncle Herod's now Uncle Dad. Have you walked through that? You might think there's not dysfunction, like your family's the only family with dysfunction, or your neighbor's family, the only family with dysfunction. Read the Bible, there's dysfunctional families everywhere. And, and so, Herod, John the Baptist just thought this was a little bit awkward and wrong, and it was. So he addressed it. And it says this, verse 18, for John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. All those in favor say aye. Opposed, don't say anything right now, okay? Pray for you at the end of service, okay? There'll be a healing line for you. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge. Say nursed a grudge. Let's, 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 let's unpack that for a second. How do you nurse a grudge? I mean, I think you nurse something to keep it what? Healthy. Or if it's sick, you get it healthy. How do you nurse a grudge? How do you have a healthy grudge? Well, I'm glad you asked. I want to talk about that tonight. How do, in that story, she had such a healthy grudge that we know the story, if you've read it before, the story is that, that, that Herod threw a big party for the kingdom and they all came in and Herodias' daughter danced for him and pleased him and said, you know, it, it, you, know, if, you, know you can ask for up to half the kingdom. So Herodias' daughter went to her mom and said, hey, uh, dad, uncle, dunkle, whatever his name is, said that you could, well, I could have whatever I want up to half the kingdom. And, and, and Herodias, who's been nursing a grudge, kind of like an angry bird, so angry her whole life now is how do I tear down something else? And in the end, and, and, and what does she ask for? He, she asks for John the Baptist's head on a platter. So I want to talk tonight because I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that when we're hurt, and, and I hope we could take our masks off tonight. I hope we could just be real. I, I hope we don't have to put our camp face on and, and I hope we can just be, be ourselves. You know, I, I, we all put our pants on one leg at a time, right? I mean, we put our, yeah, one leg at a time. We all bleed red. We're all human beings. And I, and I hope tonight we can be a little vulnerable and honest with ourselves. But, but I want to talk real quick. I, I want to unpack this thought of how to have a healthy grudge. Because if we know how to have a healthy grudge, we can address it and not have a healthy grudge. Because some of us in here... If you, if some of you have a healthy grudge. You're still upset with somebody, and you can tell the story about what happened 12 years ago as good today as you used to be able to tell it. 
Or maybe there's, may, maybe holidays around your place are, are, are difficult because of relationships. And so I, I believe that God wants us to have healthy relationships. And I think, I, I believe every one of us in here can grow in this area. And so how, how to maintain a healthy grudge. Number one, give the devil a foothold. Here's how it starts. In Ephesians chapter four, it says, in your anger, do not sin. There is there's a way to be angry and not have that anger cross over into something called sin. In your anger, do not sin. Do not, give, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, simmer down before sundown. Learn how to take care of it before. And it says this, uh, uh, simmer down before, you know, let the sun, don't let the sun down, go down when you're still angry. And do not give the devil a what? A foothold. I didn't know what a foothold was. I didn't understand that. I, I mean, I, whether I could look it up in the Greek or not, until one day in third grade, I learned what a foothold was. <clears throat> I grew up in a small uh, town, Tillamook, Oregon. We milked uh, a couple hundred cows, and, and uh, when we got home from school, we had chores to do. We had to go do our chores until seven or whatever, and so I'd get home, and I'd put my wool socks on. I'd put my, my, my work jeans on, and my older brother, Carl, I called him Lucifer. My dad called him Carl. <clears throat> I had a twin brother. I called him Damien. No, I'm joking. So I had two brothers. And Carl, Carl came home one day. And Carl was six foot tall in seventh grade. So people said, you play basketball? He looked down and said, you play miniature golf? And, and uh, so Carl... Carl said, who won the horse race, Mark? I said, I don't know. And he hits me in the arm and goes, Charlie. I'm thinking like, oh, man, Carl, knock it off. And the next day he comes home and says, Mark, who won the horse race? I don't know. I don't know. And he goes, Charlie. And he hits me again. I'm thinking, Carl, if you do that again, I promise you, I'm going to hit you so hard like a third grader is going to hit a sixth grader, seventh grader that hard, right? And so the next day he comes, who, 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 you know, he, and he hits me, Charlie. And I go to, I go to kick him and he moves. And if you've ever watched Kung Fu Panda, there's a scene in there where he gets hit in the tenders. And so my brother, who's going through puberty, all of a sudden is going, I'm going to kill you. I knew what that meant. There was something in my spirit. I had a gift of discernment. He actually was going to kill me. And so I'm running upstairs and my mom, my mom, bless her heart. She has OCD, and it's probably never been diagnosed. But my mom's a clean freak. And my mom had ran out of the stuff she cleaned our, our floor with. It's an old farmhouse, wood stairs. So my mom used furniture polish. I got wool socks on. And I'm running upstairs to get to my, my room because I knew if I could shut my room and shut that deadbolt, I was safe. Because my spiritual discernment, my spidey sense said, He's going to kill me. He said he's going to kill me. He means it. And I learned that day what a foothold was. I'm running. And I started to shut that door. And all of a sudden, I learned what a foothold was because I tried to shut that door. But his foot got inside that door before the door was shut. That's called a foothold. And I learned real quick that a foothold can become a stronghold really quick. He got his foot inside the door, and the moment he got the foot inside the door, he's, I, I don't remember much of what happened the next month. Foothold. 
And when you go to bed angry, whether you think anything is happening or not, there's a spiritual thing happening called a foothold. And a foothold is where the devil can get his foot access into your life. The defense mechanisms, you think they're up, but they're down. And he has open access to your mind. He starts tormenting you. He starts chatting things inside. And then you start, you're mowing your grass. I can't wait to kick those pigs, stole my eggs. If I ever have a chance, I'm going to tear down. I saw what they're doing. I'm going to tear down what they're doing. And just like the angry birds, we're contemplating how we can tear down what someone else is doing because we got a foothold in our life. And then, how to maintain a healthy grudge. You give, give the devil a foothold. Number two. No, no, actually, before I get there, how many want to know anger is one letter short of danger? Anger is one letter short of danger. We're presented with a choice. Do we want hard skin and a soft heart, or do we want to have a soft skin and have a hard heart? And all of a sudden, start getting angry, and the sun go down. And, 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 and so, so the second way to nurture a, 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 a grudge is, is to uh, nurture a bitter root. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, make every, say every. I looked up the word every in Greek, it means every. Like everyone. Make every effort to live it in peace with everyone. Say everyone. Look at your neighbor, say everyone. Like, yeah, the ones that took your eggs, the ones that offended you. The ones that didn't say hi, the, the, the business partner who took you. Everyone. And to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. In other words, check, check this out. We can fall short of the grace of God. How many want to fall short of the grace of God? If you look it up in original Greek language, it literally means to, you, you, to, to, to fall so far behind the race you never finish. That's the picture there, is that sometimes when we don't live at peace with people, and it's not saying, hey, live at peace with those that are peaceful back. It says, it's, it, I, I think what it means is as much as it's up to us, it, we, we have to do our part to live at peace with everyone and pursue the godly holiness God has for us. So, so, and it says this, we don't, we don't fall short in the, in the grace of God and that no bitter root. That word bitter, look it up in the original language. It literally means extreme wickedness. Let no wicked root grow in you. That's scary. You know, a couple years ago, you know, we had our fourth kid, so we bought a minivan. Because that's what cool families do, right? I got an A-man out there from one guy. You know? The other one's like, no, SUV. Um, and, and, and my daughters were watching, they're watching like, you know, it was Mr. Incredibles. And one of the Mr. Incredibles, one of the kids says, that's totally wicked, dude. It's not that totally wicked. It's like bad wicked. Don't fall back in the grace of God and let some wicked root begin to grow. Some, some bitter, producing bitter fruit. The metaphor here is hatred and extreme wickedness. Don't let it grow in you to cause trouble and defile many. It literally cares with the idea. The word trouble is to be annoyed or disturbed. Anyone here ever been disturbed by someone else? Anyone ever been hurt by someone and you find yourself rehearsing and nursing and cursing 
the situation and not allowing God to reverse the situation? If you want to nurse a grudge, then guess what? Hold on to a bitter root. Let that thing begin to grow inside of you. And then it says this, and it doesn't just stop there. Here's how, here's how you can know if you're nursing a grudge. If you find a little bit of pleasure telling other people about the situation. Because it says, it says, and defile what? Defile many. That word defile in the original language means to stain with another color. In other words, someone looked pretty good. They might have a white shirt on. Oh, but when you started talking about your buddy, you stained them. They'll never see the person the way God sees the person or the way they should see the person because they're seeing the person through your stains, which probably came because of your pains. You've stained people. And so if you're someone who finds yourself staining someone, you probably have a grudge you're nursing. And that word root, bitter root, literally means, look it up, offspring or prodigy. You're growing a, 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 a grudge baby inside of you. There's something you're nursing. There's something you're growing. There's a healthy, I, my prayer is no one in the church would have a healthy prayer grudge baby. Number three, forget your job at the potato chip factory. Now you might go, that's spiritual. Oh, that's a good point, Pastor. That makes a lot of sense. Well, there's a story. Let, let me tell you the story. In Luke chapter 17, I don't, I don't think I have it on the screens because it's a little bit longer here. Um, but Jesus tells his disciples, Luke chapter 17, if you have your screen Bibles, e-Bibles, or, or, or tree Bibles, you can look it up. But Luke chapter 17, I'll read it for you. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown in the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of the little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke him. If they repent, forgive him. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, seven times come back saying, I repent. You must what? Forgive them. So, so this, this story he's telling is in the context of forgiveness. In the context of forgiveness, make sure you don't cause little people to stumble. Make sure. It'd be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck, jump into the water, than if you cause someone to sin. And if someone sins against you, forgive them. And then, and then he kind of tells the story. That you kind of think is unrelating, but it's not unrelating. It's about a potato chip factory. And I'll explain in a minute. Suppose... Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in for the field, come, come along now and sit down and eat. Won't he rather say, people, uh, prepare my supper, get ready and, and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you've done everything you're told to do, should say, we're unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. He tells a story, he says, hey, if someone's a hired man, the hired man's out plowing all day, and his job when he comes in is to cook dinner for the, 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 the farmer, he's going to cook dinner for the farmer. And the farmer's not going to say much other than thank you for doing what you're supposed to do. I, 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 uh, 
I want to illustrate this a little differently. I, I, my last name is Zweifel. And in Paysville, Minnesota, there's actually a family of Zweifels. And I tell them they spelled their names wrong because they did. Because over in Switzerland, there's a whole bunch of Zweifels, but no Zweifels. And so, um, but in Switzerland, I, I went on an American track tour to Switzerland. I was, I was a high school All-American in, in two mile. In high school, nine, I ran 907 in two mile. And I was over in Europe racing one summer. And while I was there, we stopped in Switzerland and they had Zweifel potato chips. Like my name is like Frito-Lay or Lay's or like Doritos over there. Like Zweifel potato chips are everywhere. And so, so, so I just have kind of gone on a dream vacation and thought if my dream job, my dream job would be to get hired at the Zweifel potato chip factory. And I, I think if I got the job, they would say, Mark, I'd probably start out at the bottom. Just pick the black chips off the belt. And I can tell you right now, I think I could be a good black chip picker. And let's say I got the job at Zweifel Potato Chip Factory in Switzerland, and I, I spent eight hours a day picking black chips off, and in a three-year period, not a single black chip got by. Now, how many of you guys think that's impressive? Yeah. In fact, like most companies, they probably have like an awards banquet. I would nominate myself for the best black chip picker award. And I can see myself getting it. And I can tell you what's going to happen when I get it. The next day, I'm going to go in early. I'm going to sit at the president or the CEO's office. I'm going to put coffee from his Keurig. Or maybe he's an espresso. I don't know. Or maybe he's got, I never, I don't know. Um, uh, uh, maybe he's got, uh, I'm going to drink, and I'm going to put coffee in his coffee cup. And I'm going to put my, hand, my feet up on his chair. And drink from his coffee cup. When he walks in and says, what are you doing? I'm going to say, what are you doing? Well, I was coming to work. He says, well, you no longer have this office. I got the award. And for three years, not a single black paper, p- potato chip made it past the conveyor belt. I am the champ. And I deserve to sit here. And he's going to look at me and say, no, you don't. You got an award for doing what you're supposed to do. You don't get special rights because you did what you're supposed to do. You simply did what you got paid to do. In this story, he's saying, hey, you cause someone, a little one to sin, tie a millstone around your neck. Better for you. And and if someone comes to you and asks you to forgive them seven times, you forgive them. Then he tells the story. He says, if you're out plowing, you plow. And when you come in, if you're supposed to cook food, you cook food. And when the farmer says thank you, he's just saying thank you for doing what you're supposed to do. Do you understand forgiveness is what we're supposed to do? You don't get like, oh, good job. I'm super Christian. I forgave someone this week. Oh, I've had that bitterness problem for a long time. No, you've withheld doing what God's called you to do for a long time. It's time some of us do what God's called us as Christians to do. Lay another egg. Flap those wings and begin to fly again. Begin to be who God called you to be. See, see, there's one one more story I I, got to share real quick. And we're going to have some prayer time. But in Matthew chapter 18, you know the story, Matthew chapter 18. There's a story of the unmerciful servant. You know the story? 
where there's a, a gentleman who owed so much debt, there's no way he could ever repay the debt. You know the story. And, he, and, and, and the servant runs into the master and he falls on his knees and begs the master to forgive him and have mercy. And what does the master do? The master forgives him his entire debt. But the gentleman who was forgiven the entire debt, a huge debt he could not pay, finds someone that owes him a smaller debt, a payable debt, but a debt that that gentleman couldn't pay that day. And he demands the payment that day. And because the gentleman couldn't pay the debt, what does he do? He throws him into what? Throws him into prison. And when the master, follow me here, when the master looks at him, finds it, looks him up. And in verse 32, it says, the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. Now, let me just say something. When a master calls you wicked, it ain't good. It's like a compliment. So you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In, in, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailer. Say jailers. Now, I want to walk through some stuff here because I'm kind of a word nerd. I like Greek words. And, and, and it says he threw him into jailers to be tortured. But that word jailer, if you don't believe me, look it up tonight. There's a great app you can download called blueletterbible.org, Blue Letter Bible app, and you can walk through all the Hebrew and Greek words. But that word jailer, it's a unique word. It's, it's a word that says this. I mean, there's, I, I think there's like jailers like that walk the green mile with people, and then there's like the people you don't want to be around that are jailers. Anyone here ever watch Rambo? Don't be bashful. I'm sorry. Okay, I've watched it. I can repent later on. Sorry. But, but Rambo, there's a part in Rambo where they strap Rambo to like an old bed frame. You know what I'm talking about? They strap, even Pastor Mark's like shaking his head because he's watched Rambo before. Probably you just used the illustration from like some sermon website. I know. Yeah, you'd never watch the whole thing. You're too holy. So he's strapped into a bed strap and then he turned the power on. Have you ever seen that part? And he starts convulsing shit. That word jailer, in the Greek language, it means this. One trained to elicit the truth through the use of a rack. Like, read that. Like, this, this, this master finds out this other guy has not forgiven someone when he's been forgiven so much. And he says, I'm gonna turn you over to the jailers now. And you're, you're, they're gonna torture you until you f- tell the truth. Until the truth manifests from you rather than the hurt and the pain. And in other words, I, I, I'm convinced there's some of us in here that are tormented by our past. The memories of an event. And I don't stand up here like someone has never had pain. My wife and I will celebrate our 25th anniversary this year on February 8th. On February 7th, 1997, my dad showed up to my wedding rehearsal and cussed me out in front of my brothers and in front, and in front of uh, my best man because I was married a Mexican. I had no idea my dad had prejudice. I had no idea. You don't understand I mean, I I grew up in this home where all I ever heard was I was a winner and a champion. 
I got into the barn. My dad's in the parlor milking cows. And I'd get up at 6 a.m. My dad, I'd come to the barn. And my dad would say, good morning, Mark. You're a champion, a winner. I believe in you. You can do anything you want in life. And I believed him. We're the family that the day before school starts every year, we'd write our goals down for the year. And I remember writing down, I want to break the four-minute mile. Didn't break it, but I got 4.11, close, not, not, not quite there. I wrote down these goals. And, I, and, 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 I, and I, my dad would say, I believe in you, until I married a Mexican. So I'd call home. My dad would say, here's your mom. For five years, my dad didn't talk to me. When we went home, my dad didn't talk to me. My dad didn't come to the birth of the first two of my children. My dad never came to Brady's birth. Now, I, I learned a long time ago, if it's, up to, if it's gonna be, it's up to me. And if, and, and, and if, it's, if I'm gonna live with peace with everyone, I gotta do my part. And, and, and so I started, I, my dad loved college football, so I, I didn't play college, I didn't play football. I graduated, I, I, I always tell people I passed my IQ test, they wouldn't let me play football. <laughs> Sorry for you football players. But I, you know, my twin brother and I were high school All-Americans, so we, we ran track. We were skinny guys, and they just kind of said, run the circle, we did it. That's what we did. Yes, we weren't smart enough to go out for a different sport. We could have, okay. Um, and I started paying for the recruiting service for my dad's football team. And so I'd call home and say, hey, Dad, you, get the, you hear about the quarterback Oregon State's recruiting? Now, if you, if you know anything about Oregon State, Oregon State lost for 31 years. Their longest losing season. The only people that lost worse than them was Trinity Bible College for football. Um, <laughs> I love Trinity. It's a great school. I'm on the board there. If you haven't signed up for school yet, it's a great school. Um, but they don't play good football. They didn't play good football. Um, if you th- are upset with me, forgive me on that, okay? Preach on forgiveness here. Um, but I started asking, my, and my dad would say, what, 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 what quarterback? I, and I started a relationship with my dad over football, guys. It sounds stupid, but it's football. And then all of a sudden, my, my dad actually flew down to, we were living in Vegas, to come to my house so we could go to a football game together. The, we, Oregon State had made it to a bowl game, and we were, so we flew into Vegas. The game was in Phoenix. We were going to drive four hours down south. It was a lot cheaper to fly into Vegas. Stay at our house. And that day, my assistant youth pastor, um, I walked into his office um, on, on the 23rd of December to get some tape or something or do something, and he was shutting his computer screen off, and he's trying to like, touch it. I said, Eddie, what are you doing? And, and I walked in, and he'd been, he'd been viewing porn. The church's internet uh, protection package had ended two days earlier, and our computer services guy thought, well, we'll just re-up on January 1 rather than pay the extra for, the, for like an extra week. And how many want to know the devil knows when you have weaknesses and when the defense mechanisms are down for a week? And here's my young single youth pastor who's not going home because he went home for Thanksgiving. He's going to be home. He's kind of lonely. He's viewing porn. And I remember tell, telling Eddie, Eddie, and now meanwhile, you have to understand, I, I go home. I, I talk to my pastor. He said, here's the plan. So I, I was going to go meet with Eddie. Meanwhile, my wife and I had a graphics company to raise money for our capital campaign for our church back then. We had started a graphics company to raise money. And, and uh, we were making uh, letterhead for Taco Bell. And my printer wasn't working. And so, my, so the printer guy was going to come talk to and, and show us how to fix it. And my dad's a dairy farmer. My dad knows PTO shafts. My dad knows carburetors, but he does not know printers. 
and computer terminals and USB cords and all that stuff. Okay. And so I leave to go fire my spiritual son, or not fire him, but tell him what the discipline is for his pornography and how we're going to have the plan for growth to get back. And while I'm gone, the computer guy shows up and tries to tell my dad how to fix the computer. So I come home having, I, I led Eddie to Christ when he was 14 years of age. I officiated the wedding for his sister. I buried his grandmother. I mean, I love this kid. He's now an incredible young life director for the state of Washington. God, God restored him. He's back in the ministry, all of that. That's a whole other story. But I come home, and I'm a little discouraged because here's a son of the faith of mine. I led him to Christ. I've walked through things with him. Incredible junior high pastor. Hundreds of junior hires come to his ministry. And he's got to sit on the bench for a while and get healthy. And I get home, and my dad tries to tell me about the computer. I said, Dad, please don't. It's okay. And five minutes later, my dad's a type A. He says it's because he's Swiss. It's because <laughs> blame it on your, you can blame it on your, your descent all you want. And, and my dad says, Mark, you're his wifeful. You got a client who wants letterhead. You need, uh, let, me, let me try to, you need to fix this and get it done. And I just said it really kindly. He said, Dad, please. This is five years after, maybe seven years after he walked out. He really didn't talk to me for years. He said, I said, Dad, please don't worry about my business. I meant don't worry about my graphics business. I don't care about Taco Bell letterhead right now. I'm not going to make a run to the border. You know what my dad heard? Get out of Mark's life. You know what my dad did? My dad walked to my door, slammed it, and never came back. Left my mom at my house. My dad got a taxi. It was before Uber. He went to, he went to McCarran Airport in Vegas and flew to Portland. Left my mom at my house. And I remember I went upstairs. I'm in my bedroom and I'm crying. And I'm going, God, I don't want to learn this again. I don't want to walk through this again. God, please, please don't make me live this again. I'm crying so loud. My oldest daughter knocks on the door and says, Mommy, are you okay? I said, Yes. I say that to say this, I, I continued to reach out to my father. And we were home for a week, that, you know, my, my daughter's never seen that side of my dad. My dad and I have a good relationship, we talk on the phone weekly again, we, I, but, but my dad has never said he's sorry to me, it has nothing to do with dad saying sorry to me. I want to walk you through when, when forgiveness happens, and there's some of you in here that you have some family dynamics, and it's never one-sided, and it's never easy. You might have some porcupine people in your family, a lot of fine points, but they're hard to hug. But I want to walk through real quick four, four, four ways. See, forgiveness does not erase history, friends, or excuse what happened. What happened, happened. Forgiveness is, this is what forg- forgiveness is when you set the prisoner free to realize you were the prisoner. You were the one. At times, what happens, we attach, we attach our entire lives to a moment when we're hurt or offended and allow it to define and consume our very existence. I want, I, I, four, four quick ways, quick ways, and we're having all the time, key ways to walk in forgiveness. Number one, understand if we will not, God cannot. Understand if we will not, God cannot. In other words, God cannot forgive you when you don't forgive others. What's, what's, what's you know, we, we, we pray the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. We, we have to forgive. If we don't forgive others, God says he can't forgive us. What's the unforgivable sin? When you don't forgive. We have to. 
Number two, choose to get better, not bitter. It is a choice. You choose to get better, not bitter. You take responsibility for your life. If someone backed up their truck and started unloading donkey poop on your yard, you'd probably get upset. Why? Because you know where your property line is. You take responsibility for your property line. Take responsibility for your emotional property line. Know where your boundaries are. Choose to get better and say, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Number three, choose to pray for others, not pray, P-R-E-Y, upon others. Choose to pray. And, 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 and in other words, in Luke chapter 6, it says, but I tell you who are listening. And I love it when Jesus says, I tell you who are listening. In other, in other words, there are some who would maybe not listen. But I tell you who are listening. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those. Say bless. Bless those who curse you and pray. Say pray. Pray for those who mistreat you. How many of us have met people that pray upon people, P-R-E-Y? Oh, well, yeah, you know what they did? Well, they did that, that. And we just, we can rehearse it and we pray upon people, not pray for people. That word bless is the Greek word eulogia. It's where we get the word eulogy from. How many of you guys ever showed up at a funeral and, and, and someone stands up and says, yeah, this guy's an idiot. I sure hope when they walk out, they play Johnny Cash going down to ring of fire because he's going to burn. Terrible life. Terrible dad. Terrible husband to seven people. No, when you stand at a funeral, eulogy is to bless. You bring up the good. And I'll tell you what I had to do. I had to practice, friends. Look at me. I had to practice God. Bless my father. My dad made more money on the stock market. My dad made more money in business stuff on the farm. My dad has been blessed. My dad will buy land and five years later sell for double what he paid for it. And I, I attribute to for, he hurt me so bad, I learned how to bless him real good. And you know something? It's hard to hate someone you bless. When you pray for them, it's hard to hate them. There's someone you don't like in your church or someone you don't like in your, there's difficult relationship. Start praying for them, not praying upon them. And lastly, choose to throw your love past other people's sins. In Ephesians, there's a verse that says, that, 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 that Paul prayed that we would be rooted in establishing God's love. We may know the power uh, to grasp how wide and long and deep. And then it says, and to know the love that surpasses knowledge. If this podium represents everything I know about someone, and this bottle represents the love of God, and everything I know about a painful situation is right here, and this is God's love. I choose to throw God's love. God's love surpasses knowledge. I don't want to, I, I, I want to look at the love of God toward the person, not what I know about the person that's hurt me. God, I want to love them. And, and I want to, one of the most powerful things, and, and closing, one of the greatest things that's happened the last two years at True North is, is we're able to start live streaming from uh, 11 to 1. We live stream at 12, uh, excuse me, uh, six of the correctional facilities in Alaska. Our prayers all 12 someday. And just at one correctional facility, 68 people, we put together a, a special Easter presentation during COVID. Had three people that had been in prison, out of prison, got radically saved, shared their testimonies. We put together an Easter package, and we did a special Easter service for all 12 prisons in Alaska. And in one prison, 58 people gave their lives to Jesus on Easter Sunday, just one. It's incredible. But there's a guy named Dexter. 
And, and Dexter, um, Dexter accepted Christ, but he'd already been uh, uh, dealing with some parole issues and some stuff, some prior arrests, and he was kind of on parole. And uh, Dexter had to spend some time. So Dexter got sent to one of the, the, the lower security prisons in our, in, in our state, and he met a, a, some Russians that were in there, and he met a guy named Vladi. And Vladi lied about Dexter. Dexter's Hispanic, and Dexter has tattoos up, up his, th- satanic tattoos up his throat. And, and in fact, um, he got saved on a Sunday morning, um, and we were talking about, uh, uh, um, you know, we were doing a series called Love Your Neighbor, and, and uh, God loves everyone, and we need to love people. And so he picked up some cards um, and that, that said, you matter to God. And, and he's outside his low-income housing pom- complex taking a smoke break, and he heard this one guy go, Mom, I just got out, and I don't matter to anybody but you. And Dexter had gotten saved two weeks early and goes, I got a card that says you matter to God right here. And he looks up there and kind of counts how many windows it is and says, oh, that's the fourth apartment on the top. So he goes and knocks on the door and meets a guy named Jeremy. So he brings Jeremy to church. And during worship time, we have some altar time to pray with people. And so Dexter, who's been saved for two weeks, picks Jeremy up and says, you need prayer, come on. Brings up to the youth pastors, you need, and they're praying for him. This guy needs a lot of prayer, pray for him. Praying for Jeremy. And then, and then Jeremy goes and sits down, and Dexter comes up and says, I have tattoos all over my neck, and I used to serve, I used to do some stuff in Satanism, all that stuff. Could you pray that the, the assignments would be canceled? And, and my youth pastor said, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God canceled those assignments. The blood of Jesus already canceled it, but I'll pray for you. Well, Dexter, he still has to serve some time. He's in there, and Vladi does him wrong. And, and he, he gets sent to Spring Creek, which is the high security prison in Seward, Alaska, on an island. And he's there for about three years. And he gets out. I get a call from the chaplain in Anchorage. Hey, Dexter's coming home. Here's his phone number. I think, I love Dexter. I know his wife, Nellie, and the twins are in church. And, and so he comes home. He walks in, and he looks over, and Vladi. now meanwhile, the Russian young man named Vladi gets out of jail or prison. He comes to our church, accepts Christ, and now six months go by, he's an usher. Dexter walks in, and he takes me aside and says, Mark, I don't know if I can come to this church anymore. Vladi did me wrong. Can you set up a meeting where we can talk? I said, yeah. I said, what are you going to do about it? He says, I'm going to go pray. And next week, can you say, I said, absolutely, I'll find Vladi. And next week after third gathering, we'll, we'll go in my office, we'll talk. And so um, he walks in. I think Dexter's like he's angry. And Dexter walks in the next Sunday. He's got a smile on his face. He said, Pastor, I prayed about it, and God told me I have to forgive him. I got did wrong. And I, I, I watched a Hispanic man walk over to someone who was a part of the Russian gangs in the prison and look at Vladi and, and look at him and say, Vladi, you did me wrong. And you know I, you did me wrong, and I know you did me wrong, but I forgive you. And Dexter hugged him. They don't have tears, but I'm crying. <laughs> Where are you at? Is there someone you need to forgive? I, I'm convinced you didn't come to camp to go home the same way you came. I believe that. And it might be hard, but it's a choice. 
There might be some dads in here who need to humble themselves because of relationships with kids. There may be some children who have to humble themselves with their, and, and, and make the first step. Not, not, not expect it overnight to happen, guys. It took me 11 years. But God can restore relationships. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room today? Every head bowed, every head closed, you're here. And, and tonight, you, 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 you realize that as I spoke, that there, there's, there's people, there's memories, there's hurt. Some of you, it, it could be abuse that goes way back. I'm not saying deny what happened. I'm not saying discount what happened. I'm saying let God heal you from what happened. Maybe things were said. Maybe you've had a business deal go bad. And I don't know why I keep coming back to that, but I feel like there's some businessmen in here or businesswomen who've had some, sh- some, some neighbors, some people have done some shady things and took you, for, took you for some stuff, and it's time to forgive. Your heart's gotten hard, and your skin's really soft, and it's easy for people to get under your skin. Tonight, God wants you to give a tough skin. Keep a soft heart. Is there anyone here to say, Pastor, tonight, even before you talk about forgiveness, I'm in here and I'm not in right relationship with Jesus and I'm far from God. I came because my friends invited me or my mom and dad, they said, please come. And I'm here because my parents invited me and I'm, I'm far from God. But tonight, I, I want to make a decision to serve Jesus with, with everything inside of me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Anyone wave your hand and say, Mark, that's me. Tonight, I want to make a decision. See, just wave your hand real high. Don't be bashful. Anyone wave your hands. Any hands in this place? Anyone at all? Anyone just wave and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm far from God. You've slid away. Anybody? Just wave. Let me ask another question. Who in here would say, Mark, because of some situations in my family, it's, my family's been torn apart. And I, I want a miracle. I want God to restore my family. Anyone here wave at me and say, Mark, that's me. Just lift your hands real high. Real, real high. Don't be bashful. Real high. Just wave at me. There's lots of hands. And we're here saying, Mark, there's, there's some events and circumstances that marked my life, and I don't want them to mark me. I want the healing of God to mark me tonight. There's some circumstances that hurt very painful. Anyone lift your hand and say, Mark, that's me. I want God to heal tonight. Wave at me real high. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. There's a, you, you can go back to the day. You can go back to the time. It's amazing how you can remember that, but you can't remember something for a test in school. Or phone number. Who in here would say, Mark, the Bible says that we're not supposed to hold anything against anyone. Anything against anyone. Who in here would say, Mark, uh, tonight, if I'm honest with myself and God, and God's the one you need to be honest with, you're here tonight and you say, you know, I, I, I need to do some business because I there is some... Uh, uh, and, and see, when I talked about footholds, footholds are when they become strongholds when you start thinking well this message isn't for me it's for everybody else but not me that's a, that's a stronghold the Holy Spirit's trying to talk to you but you've already rationalized how your, your circumstance is different than everybody else's who in here would say Mark there's someone I need to forgive in my heart tonight raise your hand real quick anyone I, I think most of us probably if we were honest would go deep down there's some people in my life in fact would you stand with me all across this place tonight Let's just stand all across this place. And, and, and as we stand, I'm going to ask the worship team to lead out in this song. And right where you're at, I want you to lift your fingerprints to heaven. 
all across this room tonight. Lift your fingerprints to heaven as we sing this song. And the reason why is because your fingerprints aren't like anybody else's fingerprints. When you were born, they, 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 they rolled them through purple ink and they put them on a piece of paper that's safe somewhere so they can identify you. So when you lift your fingerprints up, God goes, oh yeah, I made those fingerprints. I made them. Let's sing this song right now. Let's let the Holy Spirit do a deep work. For some of you tonight, you're going to go home from camp different than you've ever gone. You're going to find freedom like you've never found before.